All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I'm giving you my rapid reaction to the Falcons 37 to 17 preseason week two loss to the Miami Dolphins. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcfans.com, RIP. Still going strong, however, on Twitter at Falcfans, and of course, hosting this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In today's episode, I am coming to you a few hours after the Falcons week two preseason loss to the Miami Dolphins by a score of 37 to 17. I'll be giving you the game summary for those of you that missed it or those of you that were, you know, too busy looking at your phone or distracted during the game to really pay attention to what happened. Then we'll we'll be giving out my grades for the various phases of the game, looking at the offense, the defense, special teams, the passing game, the, the run game and whatnot. And then we'll turn our attention to some individual, standouts and we'll spend a a bulk of today's conversation talking about the injury to AJ McCarron and what's next for the Falcons at the backup quarterback position. And of course, you know, I have thoughts on the Falcons decision to sit the majority of their starters and key backups for the second week in a row. But fortunately for you guys, you know, this is the last week I probably will be complaining about that, but I'll, I'll sort of give my thoughts on why I think the Falcons chose to basically sit there, guys. And no, I don't think it's because they don't think the preseason matters, but we'll get into that at the end of today's episode. And let's start things off uh, talking about this game summary. Even though the Falcons decided to sit most of their starters, the Miami Dolphins did not. Head coach Brian Flores wanted to see his starters, and they played pretty much the entire first half, at least the majority of them did, and some of them even played into the third quarter, particularly on the offensive line. And it kind of was reflected in the final score with that 37-17, to which was a pretty easy victory for the Dolphins. The Falcons did get two late fourth quarter scores that – uh, made the game a little bit more respectable on the scoreboard after the Dolphins had built a 30-3 to lead. And let's get into that game summary. The thing started off pretty respectable for the Falcons offense with running back Quadri Olison getting his first preseason action, rushing for 10 yards on his first two carries, and then quarterback A.J. McCarron hitting wide receiver Christian Blake for a 16-yard gain. But the Falcons offense stalled after that point, and they were forced to settle for a 53-yard field goal from kicker Youngway Koo. The Dolphins starting offense made mincemeat of the Falcons' backups on defense on the ensuing drive with running back Miles Gaskin and wide receiver Jalen Waddle seemingly alternating every other play to guide Miami on an 11 play 75 yard scoring drive capped off by a one yard run by Gaskin. The Falcons went three and out before two attack on Vailoa guided Miami on another 11 play scoring drive capped off by a second Gaskin score this time on an eight yard catch. McCarron then connected with wide receiver Tajay Sharp on a 21 yard gain to start things off on the next drive, then scrambled for a first down two plays later. Uh, but took a shot from Dolphins linebacker Sam Egwavoan. Egg, I can't say his name. 
<laughs> Egg Bovan, I think, uh, he had a, a really standout game, made a number of plays, particularly in the second half of this game. Um, and then on the next play, when they hand off to Quadrolison, McCarron went down with a non-contact knee injury. And then after the game, head coach Arthur Smith didn't sound too optimistic about McCarron's injury status moving forward, suggesting that it might be a season ender for the backup quarterback. And we'll see what happens with McCarron's MRI that he's due to get today on Sunday. Uh, see what the extent of that injury is, but things aren't looking too optimistic. But of course, we're only early in the game between the Falcons and Dolphins and the show must go on. And it did with third string quarterback Felipe Frank stepping in for McCarron. And he did wind up scrambling twice for 23 yards, including a 20 yard gain on a fourth down that got uh, deep in Dolphins territory that put the Falcons in the red zone. But unfortunately the drive then stalled at the Dolphins two yard line on third and goal. Franks did hit an open Tajay sharp on a quick slant. That would have been a score, but the ball bounced off the receiver's hands. Then Dolphins starting safety, Eric Rowe broke up a pass to Falcons backup tight end, John rain on fourth down. Miami proceeded to move all the way down the field on an 11 play drive, but they too stalled on a fourth down attempt at the Falcons 14 yard line. When Falcons rookie safety, Richie Grant jumped a throw to wide receiver, Malcolm Perry, just before the two minute warning. Then in the second half, Jacoby Brissett stepped in for Tua and the Dolphins backup running back, Malcolm Brown helped carry the load scoring on a one yard gain after getting seven carries on a 10 play scoring drive that gave the Dolphins a 21 to three lead. And of course, all Falcon fans everywhere were eyeing that scoreboard nervously at that point, worried about what the Dolphins would do with their next score. Fortunately for the psyche of Falcon fans everywhere, but probably unfortunately for Felipe Franks, the Falcons patch protection woes reared their ugly head on the ensuing drive. And the rookie quarterback took two sacks, including a safety by Egwavon to put Miami up 23 to three percent would guide the Dolphins on a, another 10 place going drive capped off by a dime on a fade ball to wide receiver, Robert Foster, who beat cornerback Delrick Abrams on an eight yard touchdown catch. The Falcons got their first touchdown on the ensuing drive with running back Dante Foreman touching the ball nine times on their 13 play scoring drive, capping it with a one yard touchdown run. Falcons defense then forced their first punt of the game, you know, never too late with that on the ensuing Dolphins possession. But unfortunately, Franks could not capitalize on that through an interception on the first play of the ensuing drive with Dolphins linebacker Calvin Munson snatching the throw where Franks never saw the lurking defender underneath. Miami quickly capitalized with Kirk Merritt catching a two-yard pass on another fade ball against Abrams, this time with Reed Sinnott in the game at quarterback. The Falcons running game closed out the game with a strong showing. Javion Hawkins and Caleb Huntley. Hawkins moved the offense for a combined 45 yards on his first four carries of that drive, including a 30 yard run. Then Huntley did his best impression of Hawkins showing similar juice and scoring on a 30 yard run. The next play, the the dolphins then proceeded to run out the remaining five minutes of the game to, to finish things out. And uh, there's your game summary. And we'll sort of continue today's episode getting into the grades of the various position groups are really uh, the different phases of the game, looking at the passing and running games, as well as the special teams on offense and defense and whatnot. And then we'll get into the individual standouts and maybe talk about some players that move the needle in terms of their ability to, to gain some roster spots. But to be honest with you, uh, spoiler alert, I don't think at least 
the initial watch of this game, it didn't really seem like anybody really moved the needle in a major way outside of a handful of guys. But we'll get into some of those handful of guys later on today's episode. But before we get there, guys, I do want to plug one of the national podcasts here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. That is, of course, the Peacock and Williamson Podcast. You know I got you covered on all things Falcons, Dolphins. You know you can check out Lockdown Dolphins if you, you're feeling frisky and you want to get the Dolphins side of things. But what about what's going on for the other 30 NFL teams out there during this preseason? Of course, NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson are covering all things around the league, every game, every team, every move. And of course, you can subscribe to the Peacock and Williamson podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So it's that time of year again, and all eyes are turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the half million dollar NFL Mega Contest and the two hundred thousand dollar NFL Survivor Contest. Open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today at BetOnline.ag, and you will receive a one hundred percent welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo, which means if you make a bet on Thursday, September 9th for the season opener between the Bucks and Cowboys, and if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing, all the way to horse racing. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So when giving out grades, let's start with the passing offense. C minus for me, uh, still fairly inefficient play for the quarterbacks. I thought McCarron was a little bit better, but obviously we didn't get to see a lot of him uh, today. He did certainly miss some throws in the first couple of series. Things didn't start to work for him on that third series until he got hurt. Um, and I don't think it's a coincidence that that was also the series where the Dolphins starting corners, because I think Xavier Howard and both Byron Jones started this game, went out. I think they only played two series before they got pulled. Um, Franks didn't really show significant improvement uh, in his decision making. Um, and, you know, basically, once again, only really looked good when he was able to use his legs. Um, and sort of seeing the field and making good decisions was a little subpar. He threw that pick late in the game. You know, Sharp, once again, was probably the most impressive receiver, but again, dropped that would-be touchdown that really marred his night from Frank's. You know, Frank Darby had a couple of catches late in the game on that, uh, was I think it was the Dante Foreman drive, uh, where basically did like the three times the Falcons threw the ball in that drive. Frank Darby caught two of those passes. Other than that, you know, nobody at the wide receiver position was overly effective and, and really stood out in a major way. So you still had the same issue we dealt with last week against Tennessee, where you questioned these guys' ability to separate. Early in the game, it made sense given the Dolphins starting corners being in the game. But as the game wore on, you still had those issues. The offensive line did hold up better. You know, they struggled whenever the Dolphins used twists and stunts. And that's, you know, a sign of a unit that doesn't have a lot of continuity or cohesion, which is understandable at this point. And, of course, I joked on Twitter that, you know, it's a good thing that the Falcons starters won't have that issue because, um, you know, they've been working with each other forever, which, of course, you know, I'm being facetious when I say that. However, to their credit, uh, Chris Lindstrom, Kayla McGarry on the right side, you know, these last two years 
have been pretty good when it's come to dealing with stunts. That was not a strength uh, of Jake Matthews and James Carpenter these last couple of years. They couldn't get on the same page after two years. So, you know, it's going to be a non-issue again, wink, wink, sarcasm here uh, for whoever winds up lining up that left guard position, given that Jake Matthews, at least in a game has yet to play a single snap with that guy. So of course, stunts and twists are not going to be a problem uh, this upcoming season on the left side of the offensive line, where basically we have, you know, Jake's been around for a long time, but we essentially have three starters that have never really worked uh, together in, in Matthews, whoever's going to be the left guard more on that later, probably going to be Mayfield, but more on that later. Uh, And then the center and Matt Hennessy was basically played two games. So, you know, not, not great for the passing offense, but probably better than it was a week ago. Uh, C minus rushing offense. I give it a B plus. They had 187 yards rushing. A lot of that came on those big runs late in the game. The two 30 yard gains by Hawkins and Huntley. You had the 20 yard scramble from Franks. You know that you you got some bigger, longer runs to really help and enhance the, the the team's box score. But for the most part, they were a little bit more efficient. You know, I didn't look at their uh, success rate, but it did seem like they were doing a lot better getting four, five, six, seven yard gains this week than last week, where it seemed like every game was one or two yards. Um, and, you know, I think the Falcons were a little bit more committed to their running game. And I think that was why they were able to move the ball a little bit better this week, because again, they have major concerns in terms of their passing game at the quarterback position, at the wide receiver position, in terms of the pass protection. And so when they can keep their offense on schedule in these preseason games with, you know, some efficient runs on early downs, they get into third and manageables and their quarterback play is not that terrible that they can't convert a third and seven or a third and six or a third and three or, or whatever the case may be. I think Olison had some really nice runs to start the game. Huntley, I thought looked good throughout the game. Foreman had that one really good drive uh, where there was basically three yards in a cloud of dust all the way down the field. Uh, Hawkins had those two nice runs at the end of the game. And so I think in general, a lot of positive uh, uh, results for this running game. Again, the blocking was better up front, which I think contributed to that. Uh, Mayfield and Dolman were improved. McGarry got some run with the starters early. I'll have to give it a rewatch uh, to see sort of if anybody stood out because uh, I wasn't keying on the offensive line nearly as much when I was Watching the offensive line, I did watch a little bit of Mayfield at left guard. I wasn't overly impressed, but again, like, you know, uh, I know maybe for some people's eyes, the, I'm a little biased in that regard because I, I saw some, many of the same issues why I didn't love Mayfield as a guard prospect. But I think when we're talking about the Falcons left guard position, um, we're really talking about you know, are you better than Josh Andrews? And that's probably the lowest bar you could possibly do. So I think Mayfield did enough to basically uh, win the conversation on, is he better than Josh Andrews? Which again is basically, are you the worst offensive lineman in the NFL? If the answer is no, then you're better than Josh Andrews. At least that's how it played out last year in 2020 uh, in terms of pro football focus grades for Josh Andrews. Um, So, you know, moving on to the past defense, D plus, not good. Tua carved them up. Brissett carved them up. The two times Reed sent it through the ball, he carved them up. Um, you know, they did get a little bit of pressure this game with Dean P's blitzing. It didn't seem like they were getting a lot of pressure when they only rushed four. Um, but for the most part, from what I gather, watching the game live, you know, whenever they did blitz, you know, Tua and, and Brissett, you know, could easily decipher it, which is what happens when you, you get, at least when Brissett's case, a veteran quarterback, obviously Tua doesn't have a lot of uh, experience in that regard, but certainly a capable player and, and did a, a lot to sort of navigate the pocket. He got sacked one time um, early in the game, but other than that, 
didn't seem like they were getting a ton of pressure. I mean, they got some pressure on him, but it wasn't, it didn't seem like it was like really causing him issues. Like he seemed like he was just like poised and, and, and calm in the pocket, being able to slide and move around and find those open receivers. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's part of the reason why I gave the pass defense such a low grade to me. The only real standout play was the fourth down pass breakup by Richie Grant, uh, that stalled out that dolphins drive where they got a turnovers and done, which was really the only first, the first, the first and only time the Falcons really got a defensive side. They did force a punt later in the game, but that was like on a fourth and one at the dolphins, like 30 yard line. And basically Brian Flores, if he wanted to probably could have gone for it and converted it if he wanted to. Um, but chose not to, because it's like, why, you know, it's, it's like, you know, we're, we're in the second half. Let's get this game over with this. This game is without a doubt. Cause they were up like three scores at that point in time. We did get a taste of Fabian Moreau and, and Isaiah Oliver early in the game. They, they got in on the opening series. So we did see some starters, Jacob Tootie Mariner. We did see him. He, you know, he started last week. He started again this week. So the idea that we saw none of the Falcon starters. And so therefore you can throw out this performance and say, Oh, it was the dolphin starters versus the Falcons, you know, third stringers and whatnot. There was a couple of starters out there. There was several second string guys out there as well. So, you know, it's not just something where we can just outright dismiss it. Obviously, we know that the Dolphins talent level was significantly higher than the talent level of the Falcons defense. But again, you know, you know, I'm not going to make this into a thing, but like, it's weird how people are like, Hey, Dean Pease can fix it, you know, and take lesser talent and make it better. But then when we get into situations like this, well, there's nothing you can do about that. And it's like, okay, we'll wait to it. But uh, with that being said, let's move on to the run defense. C minus for me, Miami really had no problem moving the ball on the ground. If they wanted to, again, playing against the starting offensive line for the better part of two and a half quarters due to injuries to Marlon Davidson and John Kaminsky coupled with Grady Jarrett and Tyler Davidson, not playing, um, you know, the Falcons were forced to start guys like Taquan Graham and Chris Slayton and Jonathan Ballard. And to me, at least in the early going of the game, those guys seem to get pushed around a lot uh, in the Dolphins ground game. So you also had to deal with a lot of missed tackles, not only against the run, but also, you know, after the catch and whatnot. And that led to a, a couple of big gains by the Dolphins, like some explosive plays. Uh, so some missed tackles on the back end. Um, and so that's why I give the running defense a C minus moving on to the special teams, you know, probably in addition to the rushing offense, the standout unit of the day, special teams, I give a B plus, uh, we got to see uh, Cam Nizalek, uh, kicking off. Uh, we only saw Don Maggio get his first action in the preseason on punts. It seemed like the Falcons were still instructing their punters to kick it straight, but we did get, uh, Maggio kicking two fifty plus yard field, um, punts, um, you know, we talked about this last week where some of the returns that the Falcons gave up were due to the punters kicking it straight down the middle, which is not what you do, uh, ideally. Um, and so to me, the coverage was okay. If, if I was to isolate it, I'd probably give it like a C. Um, but again, how much of that is due to them kind of being put in bad spots because of the punters are seemingly, again, we're, we're assuming that the Falcons coaching staff are instructing their guys, uh, to kick it straight so that they can maximize the ability of guys to cover so they can evaluate those guys in the coverage units. 
as well as, you know, it seemed like on the kickoffs, they weren't necessarily kicking it as deep as they could, trying to kick it, keep it in the play of field so that they could also get coverage there. So it didn't seem like the coverage units were great, but again, I don't think they were put in, in advantageous situations, so it's hard to, to go lower than a C for that. Uh, Young Wei Koo had a nice kick on the 53-yard field goal, you know, showcasing that big leg. And, you know, that's important to note because, you know, while Koo's uh, – ability to kick for distance was not a major concern a year ago. Historically speaking, that's always been the biggest question mark about him is his accuracy beyond 45 yards. And so it's nice to see Ku, you know, at least in, even in the preseason show some accuracy on those longer kicks like that. Uh, Avery Williams looked pretty good on a couple of those kickoff returns, got off to a really positive start. You know, I think the Falcons started off at like beyond the 35 on the opening drive. Uh, thanks to Williams having a big return. Chris Rowland didn't get any work until the second half and didn't really do a whole lot with what he did do. And it seems like given that Williams was slightly better, I think last week than Rowland was as a returner, I would assume Williams is the front runner to win that competition at punt returner. But, um, you know, thanks to the Falcons inability to get defensive stops in the first half, we did not get to see Williams on punts, uh, this week, uh, just kickoffs. So, uh, there you guys have it with my grades and we'll talk about some of the individual standouts, uh, you know, all two of them, <laughs> it seemed like, um, and we'll talk about really what's next for the Falcons quarterback situation, as well as sort of the decision to sit the starters for the second week in a row. Um, but before we get into all of that, guys, you know, it is fantasy football season. And of course, uh, Vinny Iyer, the host of the Lockdown Fantasy Football podcast, is giving you all the data and info you need to get that edge so that your fantasy squad never fails this upcoming season. Subscribe to the Lockdown Fantasy Football podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Did you know that Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market, has many delicious flavors? Whether you're a fan of coconut almond like me, or you prefer mint brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, double chocolate, salted caramel, coconut, raspberry, orange, or strawberry, there's something for everyone. There's also the occasional limited time flavor too, and you can try them all with a mixed box, and you'll want to to get that healthy snack that tastes just like a candy bar, but with none of the guilt. Built Bars contain 100% real chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. My favorite, the coconut almond, tastes just like an home enjoy but it's not just about their great taste they're healthy too low in sugar low in calories high in protein high in fiber as i said you get that candy bar taste with none of the guilt just head over to the website at built.com use the promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15 percent off your first order that's promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com so today's episode is brought to you by so today's episode is also brought to you by Rock Auto with ever increasing makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why wait? Well, the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer when you already have a computer with access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. You'll spend up to twice as much for the same parts when you order from a chain store or car dealership. Meanwhile, Rock Auto's prices are always reliably low for every customer. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website yourself today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Just go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. 
So looking at the individual standouts and the sort of, you know, whose stock's up, whose stock is down, uh, let's talk about the quarterback competition. And again, I think I think AJ McCarron made some s- small strides uh, improvement, and I think Frank's continued to show that he was really good when he was running the ball. But again, when he comes to throwing the ball, there's a lot to be desired in terms of his decision making and reading NFL defenses. You know, the question is going to be what happens if AJ McCarron's out for the season. And you know, if that's the case, many of you guys get your wish that the Falcons are likely to be shopping for a quarterback this upcoming week. And we'll see if they go after guys like Josh Rosen or Blake Bortles. We'll see if they go after and try to trade for someone who's a little bit more familiar with the scheme. Although Rosen did dabble for, you know, seven months, basically in San Francisco playing under Kyle Shanahan. Bortles did have a cup of coffee with the Packers and Matt LaFleur this offseason, as well as spending two years, uh, the better part of two years playing under Sean McVay in LA. So he had the, both of those guys wouldn't have a huge transition to this offense, given at least half a year playing in a similar style offense, Trevor Simeon's and Another name that I've seen a lot of people throw out there. He did spend, you know, a large chunk of 2020, 2020 last year with the Titans on their practice squad, played in the QBX system, a similar offense in his earlier uh, days in Denver. He's currently with the Saints, but, you know, the chances don't seem high that he's going to make that roster given the presences of players like Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, and their draft pick, Ian Book. But one wonders if. You know, the Saints are going to do the Falcons a favor and trade them uh, this week or, you know, Terry Fontenot's connections or whatever the case may be. So we'll see how that all turns out. I'm not, you know, going to lose too much sleep over the Falcons backup quarterback situation. I'm adopting the attitude that a lot of people told me in the past about, you know, why the Falcons should cut Matt Schaub is that Matt Ryan rarely gets hurt. Don't worry about it. I'm kind of basically thinking the same thing, Matt Ryan gets hurt. Like, you know, the the Falcons are screwed regardless. Um, And so, you know, why are, why are we trying to solidify the spot um, really at all? I mean, again, I'm not sitting here saying ignore it, but I'm just sitting here saying like, it's not something that I'm losing any sleep over. What do the Falcons do with their backup quarterback? I'm like, I don't really care. Um, But I think this decision that the Falcons wind up making is going to be interesting because you know, next week against Cleveland, the assumption is that Matt Ryan and the starters will play at least a half. Um, and then you would expect Felipe Franks to at least play the third quarter. And any quarterback that you might add this week might play a couple of drives at the fourth quarter uh, next week or not at all. But we'll see. But if you have a player that's pretty brand new to the offense, it's going to be difficult for that player to put their best foot forward with basically a week to learn the offense. We saw this a similar dynamic happen with Danny Etling a couple of summers ago where the Falcons scooped him up and then basically asked him to play in a preseason game like four or five days later, like a week later. And basically he had not figured out that offense at that point in time and only looked good when he was running it, similar to what we've seen with Felipe Franks. So unless you got, you're getting a really athletic quarterback that can you know make plays with his legs, chances are not pretty high that he's going to do much a week from now and, and basically put his best foot forward to win the job and take the job from Felipe Franks. So presumably the Falcons, if they do sign someone, you know, that guy's not going to outright win the quarterback two job before the preseason is wrapped up. So you're basically stuck signing guy that you're probably going to just have to hand the job to based off of a week of practice. And of course, you know, everything, everybody knows that, you know, everything that is meaningful happens in practice with this particular coaching staff. But, um, you know, so I guess that's probably not the worst place to be. 
given that, you know, no one cares about what happens in the games. Um, you know, moving on from the quarterback position to the running back position, Caleb Huntley looked sharp last week, looked again sharp tonight. You know, I think probably right now is probably the front runner for that fourth running back spot, at least based off of the preseason, based off of his usage, seemingly working ahead of JB and Hawkins on the depth chart. So, you know, I would pencil, I would pencil him in as, as the RB four, but we'll see what happens next week. Um, Josh Andrews only got a series of work at left guard before he made way for Jalen Mayfield. And as I said earlier, you know, I wasn't that impressed with Mayfield, but then again, all he had to do was outplay Josh Andrews, which again is a very low bar. Um, I do think he was better this week. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to, you know, not give Jalen Mayfield credit. I thought he did look better than he did a week ago, but it just seems like (laughs) it's the lowest possible bar. You know, it's like, oh, well, he wasn't terrible. Okay, give him the starting job. I mean, that's where we're at now at that position. So we'll see what happens with that, but it would not shock me at this point in time that Jalen Mayfield does get to start at left guard next week against Cleveland. So we'll see how that goes for him, you know, going up against those guys, you know, those real dudes. Um, but, uh, nothing else really stood out to me on the offense. You know, the run game was better. The pass protection was better. There's less penalties this week. Uh, clearly the coaches took note of last week's issues and then coached them up. You know, again, imagine that using the performances of a preseason game to then improve your team the following week at practice in the next preseason game. It's weird how you can just kind of build off of one preseason game based off of what you saw the previous week from your players. Hmm, So weird. Um, Defensively though, nobody really stood out to me again. That Richie Grant play was probably the only standout play for me. Miami was able to do whatever they wanted uh, offensively for them. And, um, other than, other than Richie Grant, it was pretty much forgettable performances across the board for me. We'll see, you know, once I rewatch the game, if, if anybody stands out in a major way, but nothing caught my eye alive. Um, you know, and, and so all that's left over guys is for me to rant. You know, you've heard my sarcasm throughout the episode, but like, you know, it's just give my thoughts on, on the Falcon starters not playing again. This is the last time we'll talk about it on the podcast. Um, so, you know, Falcons chose not to play the starters for the second week in a row in the preseason, or at least most of their starters. Basically the only offensive players that didn't play last week that played this week were guys like McGarry and Jason Spriggs and Olison and Austin Trammell that were hurt last week. And defensively, we did get to see Fabian Rowe and Isaiah Oliver briefly, but pretty much the rest of the lineup was pretty much the same, except they were down a couple of guys like uh, Marlon Davidson and John Kaminsky. And, you know, it's a choice. Uh, it's a choice. You guys that have listened to me, you know, complain about over the last week. No, I don't really agree with. I'm tired of hearing the excuse that the preseason doesn't matter because clearly no other NFL coach seems to think that. So, you know, that being the idea why um, the reasoning why Arthur Smith isn't playing guys just seems like a a really lame and, and poor excuse for me. You know, Brian Flores played his starters for an entire half. Future Hall of Fame coach Bill Belichick in year what 22 23 is playing his starters for the better part of two quarters this past week Andy Reid played his starters again another future Hall of Fame coach with 20 plus years of NFL experience played his starters for basically an entire half this week Um, and you know I've heard it you know Falcons had joint practices this week that to me is not a, a good excuse again clearly Brian Flores didn't agree with that sentiment the Patriots had joint practices this week and from all I heard, you know, looked good in them. So again, the idea that, oh, the Dolphins played their guys because they played poorly in the joint practices and the Falcons didn't because they played well. Well, the Patriots seemingly, again, I wasn't there. Go check out Lockdown Patriots to, to confirm this. But, 
you know, the Patriots seemingly played well in their joint practices and still played their guys for, you know, basically a quarter and a half uh, this past week. So several teams around the league play these, have these joint practices and still play their starters that week uh, in the preseason. So when I look at this, the only thing I can, only valid reason I can come up with where Arthur Smith doesn't play his starters and has chosen not because he's deathly afraid of injuries. Um, and you know, the reason why he's deathly afraid of injuries is because he knows the Falcons depth is, is for lack of a better term, trash. Um, so, and look, you know, I know a lot of fans, I, I know some media that think like injuries are the, the biggest worry that you have in the preseason. And I'm not going to spend too much time arguing against that. You know, I think it's foolish to think that injuries are something that you can really control. Um, you know, Carl Lawson got hurt in practice. Adoree Jackson got hurt in practice last year, uh, you know, just before the season started for the Titans. So Arthur Smith was on hand for that. You know, every player that has gotten hurt for the Falcons so far this summer, going back all the way to guys like Matt Gano got hurt in practice. So, you know, this idea that I think you know, if you don't play guys in games, it drastically lowers their injury risk, I think is a little naive, but um, you know, if it's all about keeping these guys healthy, then, you know, why bother even playing them in the dress rehearsal game next week against Cleveland? If there isn't really any value to playing in the games, as so many people would have you believe, then why play them at all? You know, if the preseason is so worthless as some, you know, would tell it, you know, why doesn't even exist now? You know, if, if, if you thought if all these coaches knew, right, all these coaches, Bill Belichick and all these guys knew that it was just a complete waste of time and you just might as well scrap it because there's no value gained from playing starters, backups or whoever in these preseason games, wouldn't they have banned it a long time ago to get rid of it? But yet they haven't. But you say, well, Aaron, you know, it, it, it's meaningless for starters, but it's, it's really valuable for back in roster guys. But how can you say that? Right. You guys keep insisting that coaches can learn everything they need to learn about at least the starters and practices or joint practices. We learned everything we needed to know about the starting group in this past week's joint practices with the dolphins. Right. So how does that only apply to the starters and nobody else? How is it that the coaches can figure out exactly what they have with these starters based solely off of practice, but are completely blind to figuring out what they have with all these guys on the second, third and fourth string in practice? How does that make sense? So again, we can't really conclude that, well, the Falcons aren't playing their guys in the preseason because it doesn't matter, right? There has to be some other reason. That's the point I'm, I'm, I'm making here. So I think we can only conclude that the Falcons are playing it extremely safe, which again is a choice, not a choice I particularly agree with, but it's a choice. And so you're not going to hear me complain about it anymore. So, you know, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see what happens next week. I'm eager to see if this offense, if this defense is humming next week, coming, you know, out cold. And basically, as some people would tell you, been cooking in all these practices. And so therefore they're ready to go. Um, and they don't need any work. I'm curious to see what they look like in week one. I mean, we know that the Falcons, these last what five years in Dan Quinn did not come out playing well in the opening game. You had to go back to their opener against Philadelphia in 2015 before you, you went back and saw a game where the Falcons were able to sort of really take control of a game. They they've won other games like the bears game, but that game went exactly how the bears drew it up and the Falcons just kind of got lucky 
to the Bears kind of choking at the end of that game uh, to win that game. Uh, no offense to, to Brooks Reed, who did make the play, but Bears dropped a wide open touchdown that would have won the game, them the game with like 10 seconds ago. So, like, you know, I, my expectation, call me petty if you want, but my expectation is that this team is going to be lights out going into week one. There's going to be little to no hiccups. So, you know, we're going to come out there and, and throw a haymaker against Philadelphia. We're going to go out there and, and take on the Super Bowl uh, defending Tampa Bay box team in week two, though a haymaker, we're going to go out there, you know, whoever we're playing week three is at the giants, then Washington and the jets. I think that's the schedule. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to start the season like three and two at the very least and look really good and look like we're firing on all cylinders. And there's going to be, you know, that's my expectation. And maybe you think that's a fair, unfair expectation. Maybe you think I'm being petty just because I'm butthurt about guys not playing in preseason, which look, I, I am admittedly, I am like, I want to see Kyle Pitts play guys. I want to see, you know, what this offensive line can do. I want to see the left side of this offensive line. I want to see what, you know, what the, what a DMP's defense, at least in theory kind of looks like for a couple of series. Um, I'm, I'm being selfish. Do I think it's going to decide the fate of their season? No. Again, I'm not going to get into it on today, but I, I just want to see it. I don't understand why nobody else wants to see it, but Hey, to each their own. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow uh, for a sort of second take, second look on this game after I get to rewatch it and sort of see, okay, maybe some guys did raise their stock. Maybe some guys did lower their stock and, and sort of look at these um, roster battles a little bit further um, on tomorrow's episode. And then we'll have some guests on later in the week to get you guys geared up for what else is going on with this team and, and what they think this team is at in terms of their preparation for week one of the regular season as we get you guys geared up for this Browns game and the regular season thereafter. So I appreciate you guys for tuning in today. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback that you want to provide on anything I talked about on today's episode, anything I've talked about on previous episodes, of course, you can hit me up on Twitter at Lockdown Falcons, on Facebook at Lockdown Falcons, or you can send an email to LockdownFalcons at mail.com. Until then.